You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. On Sunday, as we celebrated Easter, we continued with the third sermon of our Easter series, The Cup. In today's podcast, you'll be able to go behind the scenes a bit as you hear how Josh and our worship team prepares for a Sunday like an Easter Sunday. We'll also talk some about what to do when different gospel accounts give slightly different information or information altogether different. How do we go through that and not have doubt but see that that's actually working together to fulfill a complete picture of what happened? We'll talk some about how, as disciples, we are called not just to salvation— but to join Jesus in his mission and how often we fall short of that and we settle for something far less than what he has called us to. We'll also hear Josh talk about what does it mean that God, through Jesus, satisfied his wrath and what does that mean for us living in today's world. You'll hear this and a lot more on today's After the Message. Welcome to After the Message podcast. Uh, we have most of the usual crew in the room today. Uh, the probably, best of the crew. Probably the most glaring not person in the room is, is the one talking. Mike is out. Mike is <laughs> so, out. Uh, Sad Mike. This is Preston. I'll be Preston hosting today, crew. so bear with me and forgive me. I'm just going to ask that on the front end. Uh, but oh, you'll we, be fantastic, Preston. We do have Sean and Josh and Mark in the room, and Chris is leading us. Yes, Chris. Uh, and actually contributed some to some questions, so thank you for that, and Chris. He will contribute to answer soon. That's right. My <laughs> man. Get him ready. He, he's going to jump in there. So, hey, big Sunday this Sunday. We're coming out of Easter Sunday. And so not just big for our church, but obviously big uh, all around the world. Yeah. Um, this is kind of the one that, as we've said before, a lot of people who may not go every Sunday or maybe only come occasionally uh, really feel a drawing to this to come yes. on Easter Sunday. There's something special about it, and and it was special here. But as we as we think about Easter Sunday, Josh, I'm very curious for you, uh, but others can chime in on this. What's it like, kind of getting ready for Easter Sunday mm-hmm. versus all the other Sundays of the year? Uh, maybe in prep, mm-hmm. maybe in just your heart and your mm-hmm. mind. Um, just how's it different? That's a great question, and and I really do appreciate you asking it. For for our context, we um, typically we have one worship service a week at nine thirty on Sunday morning, and on Easter Sunday we had a Saturday night service. We had two Sunday morning services, um, and so the weekend was really full. Uh, and as you can imagine, much like your families, uh, my family had a lot going on around the weekend. Uh, so I wanted to make it a point to be finished pretty early with with a majority, if not all, of my prep work and, and sermon writing. Um, usually, uh, my 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 typical week is I don't I don't even write uh, the sermon until the Sunday morning of. Uh, so I just get here really early. Um, I could preach it; it's, mm-hmm. it's in my mind. Yeah. It's it's in notes and in parts and pieces. Um, it's it's just I don't write it out until early Sunday morning. Uh, but I went ahead and started writing last Monday, and then. Uh, was really just so excited about the the text. Uh, I finished writing by noon on Tuesday, like writing the whole thing. And so I've had a couple of times to, to go back through it. And uh, so that was fun. But I, I wanted to make sure that I had family time mm-hmm. this coming weekend. It was fun. So yeah. we, we got to spend time uh, fishing with my family and, and just kind of hang out. So it was great. 
But the weight of the weekend is different. Um, and I think, I don't know if it should be. I just, I mm-hmm. think I wore it differently. And, and here's why it was a little bit different for me. Uh, I am so glad that there were new people mm-hmm. and people who, who typically wouldn't come to church or maybe they don't typically come to this one. And mm-hmm. either they're visiting grandparents or grandparents are visiting them. They're, they're here for whatever mm-hmm. reason they're here. And so I feel this, this, I guess, greater weight or responsibility because on a typical Sunday, I would assume, and I know there are visitors all the time, but but I would assume these are the same people who come week in and week out. And so if I if I botch something, I can come back the next week and I can fix it, and, and they're gonna they're gonna come back and, and hear it again. Or right. there's there's grace there. Or they're gonna they text you me. and say, "Did you really that's mean a, that?" That's yeah. exactly right. But but this one, I mean, there's legitimately if if our numbers just came through, like like there's. There's almost 2,000 additional people who mm-hmm. never came mm-hmm. to our campus for it, showed up on our campus, which yep. is amazing. But then I think, oh, my goodness, like, did I tell them the truth? Did yeah. did what, did I communicate what I wanted to communicate? Did And that's, you know, I think the pastor's prayer or the teacher's prayer, or I know it's you guys when we pray, before we get up to preach, it's in our hearts, God, guide my words. Mm-hmm. Let, even if I do mess up, let them hear what you want them mm-hmm. to hear and make them forget what you want them to forget. Like mm-hmm. that's always the prayer before I open mm-hmm. my mouth to pray or, or to preach. Um, and so there, there is a different weight um, for me on on a multiple service Sunday or, or kind of a bigger attended Sunday yeah. like Easter. Yeah, yeah. How about for you guys, like coming in on Sunday morning, being Easter, did it? Does it feel differently? Does it? Uh, do you prep any differently? I know for me, I was, I had kind of a busy weekend coming into it, and so I felt a little bit like my heart wasn't quite settled even coming into the Saturday night. But but then I kept babies Saturday night, so maybe my heart didn't need to be too settled. Right? <laughs> uh, but is it different for you on an Easter Sunday? I think so. What what throws me is the Saturday night service. Yeah. If I'm just <laughs> right, honest. Right. So we we chose this year to attend the Saturday night service and so we could we could volunteer and do whatever on Sunday. And it just I don't know, for me it just felt odd. Uh-huh. And and so um you're trying to get in that mindset of of like this we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. Oh, that's tomorrow. You know, like you know, so uh so I don't know, it just felt yeah. odd and felt yeah. a little unsettled, like that yeah. that's a good word. Um I mean it's a great weekend. And mm-hmm. the fact is, you know, there I think there's a truth that butts up against that is is that that one Sunday of the year shouldn't be Resurrection Sunday. Right, it right. should be, yeah. right. we should come every Sunday, you know, that knowing that Christ yeah. has risen from the mm-hmm. dead, you know. And so um, so it was, it was a good reminder of while it That's felt right. unsettled. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's yeah. good. Mark, That's how about good. for you? Um, yeah, I, I try to, particularly with the family, just pause mm-hmm. and, and and not let it be just a, a regular Sunday, and I know we celebrate His resurrection every day, every Sunday, every day, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there is something um, just to to breathe deeper, to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, one day a year, you know, one one season a year, just to to bring it all back in and and be especially grateful um, of mm-hmm. just the the full meaning of what the resurrection yeah. men, mm-hmm. means for us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, try to. That's a good word. Grote, you are mm-hmm. representative of our worship ministry. That's right. And you are uh, a huge part in planning and prepping. And I know for me, um, 
And this is, I mean, it's one of the things I love about this podcast is you kind of get a, a peek behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and honestly, um, by the time Saturday got here, Saturday morning, um, I, I told our, our senior staff when we had, we had met even the prior Tuesday, um, I felt dry, like spiritually, mm-hmm. one of the, the drier seasons I've uh, mm-hmm. uh, felt. Uh, and, it, and the reason, as I've, uh, I tried to do work to, to figure out why that's the case and, and why I got to that place, it felt like I was being inundated Everywhere you look, because we kind of we live in a church world, and and if it's not our church, it's the hundred other churches that we're hanging out with or seeing or people that we know, right. and everybody has a musing or a thought or an angle or they're promoting this and that, and it just for me it felt so overwhelming mm-hmm. to the point of numb, mm-hmm. and so I look around and the the most joyful thing in the whole world became noise to me, wow. um, and that's tough, and so I'm curious as yeah. a worship leader, mm. worship pastor, Sure. How do, how do you process that? And how do you get ready to lead a congregation uh, in, in a more, I would assume, emotionally responsive yeah. time in song and prayer? Yeah, it's kind of like you guys are saying, Easter, for whatever reason, can feel like a little bit more um, charged up, I guess, because you know there's going to be people coming mm-hmm. and you're, you're, you're prayerful that people are going to come for the first time, mm-hmm. maybe with a family member and mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that'll be the first encounter they have with the gospel. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, it makes you you know sit sit up in your seat a little bit more, and you're trying mm-hmm. to be a little bit more uh, you know creative is not the best word, but just intentional with things. Yeah. And and then you, it makes you think like, why aren't we this way with every other service? Because every other service mm-hmm. deserves the same amount of uh, thought and care. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think just we went into this year, and this is my first Easter here, um, obviously, but. Uh, I really appreciated this intention of like, let's not make it uh, too terribly different than any other Sunday as far mm-hmm. as like how it feels, mm-hmm. you know, the the liturgy, if you will. It's right. like, we're not going to uh, do something really out of left field so to try to get people to come right. back. It's like, because if they come back, then yeah. Yeah, it'll be completely different. That's right. So being true to who Broadmoor is uh, liturgically, if you will, but also being maybe a little more creative with are we being as clear as humanly possible with Mm. the presentation of the gospel through Mm -hmm. the singing part of our worship? And so singing songs about uh, starting out with a glorious day that, you know, how desperate we were in need of a savior pointing to like Ephesians two. And then a song that highlights the resurrection and no praise the name and uh, responding with Jesus paid it all. And Mm -hmm. just trying to be really intentional with that. Um, but yeah, it definitely feels different because it kind of throws off the schedule mm-hmm. uh, doing Saturday <laughs> and uh, all these people that you're just praying will come back and will hear clearly. And so I think you're just a little bit sharper, but I think, you know, you just pray for the fruit of the effort and that uh, people will continue to, to mm-hmm. receive that as they yeah hopefully come back. That's but I, I love that thought of, you know, for those who came on Easter Sunday, they got a, a pretty good feel for what. Sundays mm-hmm. look like at Broadmoor. So. Right. And so they're not going to walk in this coming Sunday and go, wow, last week was completely different right. yeah. from this week. Yeah, uh, I've wrestled with that because for a long time it's felt like that's in the evangelical church kind of it's our Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. in some ways we feel that, but also it's like it should be it should be church, you know, yeah, it should be right. sweet. You this yeah, is right. your faith family. This is that's right. how we mm-hmm. are. This is how we worship. Mm-hmm. It's not extra special today, but in the sense that we're pointing to 
the right. risen Savior. Yeah. That's right. But hopefully that's every Sunday, every too. Every Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So this was not only uh, Easter Sunday, but it was the conclusion, really, of a kind of a, a short series related mm-hmm. to Easter on the cup. And so as we celebrated the resurrection, uh, we did so out of Matthew and this text. Made a few references to Luke. <laughs> Just to keep people on their toes, right? <laughs> oh boy! Uh, oh boy! Yeah, but it, you know, and you got some, you know, you got a little feedback of, hey, is this? I did, and and you know, the the worst feedback I had was was my own mind speaking to me. And <laughs> and if you were here, uh, and if you were here on Saturday night, if you were here Sunday morning at nine thirty, you heard confidently from from my mouth that there was this kind of interaction potential, and and it was all in jest, and it really had no business even being in the text because it it had no bearing on the text, and I was trying to be quippy because I was studying for Luke for the entire series, but knowing that we were going to land in Matthew with the Great Commission, for it's, it's the clearest of the commissions mm-hmm. in, in the resurrection. Yeah. And so if you weren't here, I'll, I'll kind of give you the synopsis of what it was. And it was this idea that um, the, the way that Matthew's gospel records the resurrection account is there were two Marys that went to the tomb. There was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And so I made reference that the other Mary was potentially Mary, the chosen mother of Christ, right? So so it was that and then, then you know, kind of quipping that, oh, do you think that she's going to have words for Luke when she gets to heaven for him writing that down? And, and even in the 930, I went as far as to say, and Luke should have known better because he should have been meticulous with his words because he was the doctor and and he wrote Acts and it's so meticulous. So I'm, I'm getting ready and jazzed up to say this again in the third service. That would be the 11 o'clock on Sunday. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, this this voice comes into my head and it's just it's funny. And it was like, uh, we're in Matthew. <laughs> Legitimately, it's, it's my own voice in my own mind saying, hey, you idiot. And then there's this fear that washes over me. And I was like, I said Luke so confidently in the 6.30 on Saturday night and, and the 11 Luke. o'clock. And then, as we always do, there's there's a couple of reactions when you get yeah, exposed or whatever it would be. Either you want to run and hide or you want to blame, right? Uh-huh. And so I immediately wanted to do both. Like I wanted to... <laughs> To, to bury my head in the sand. And then I also was mad at all my friends, my so-called quote-unquote, you're seeing air quotes right now, friends, who heard <laughs> it on Saturday night, who heard it on Sunday morning at 9.30, and all I got was, man, that was a powerful message, Pastor. That's great. I said, man, this is emperor new clothes kind of stuff, man. Y'all, y'all heard it. You ain't say nothing. Do you remember at the beginning of this I, podcast how you said that you prayed for God to help us forget the then things? Then you forgot. <laughs> yeah, we forgot. I had no yeah. idea. That's right. I had no clue. Thank you for listening. But <laughs> I, I had a friend of mine when I, I kind of, you know, ingest. I was like, dude, where were you? He was like, man, you said it so confidently. I just so thought you knew something you we didn't. You were right. We were wrong. Man, I guess right. Luke did write Matthew. What an idiot. I'm an idiot. <laughs> So, you know, you could have come out of different Gospels, right? And that's that's part of the that's Easter exactly right. story is that you can pull different aspects of it from different Gospels depending on kind of where you're wanting to land, and in this case, in the Great Commission. Uh, but, Chris, you brought out a question earlier mm-hmm. that I think is a, a great question of as you read the different accounts in the Gospels, sometimes you see things that are worded slightly different or mm-hmm. you might interpret them a little differently. Or completely different. Or com- mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And so... How how should we approach things like that, that uh, in two different Gospels that are telling essentially the same story, right. but it's worded differently or gives different details or seems to give conflicting, because that can, for some, mm-hmm. create doubt or create, mm-hmm. well, see, the Bible isn't inerrant because it, it doesn't agree with itself. How right. should we approach those types of 
of passages? Yes, and that is a fantastic question, not just for the resurrection text, but for for a lot of what you're going to see in the Gospels, right? So we have four Gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and and we'll do a we'll do a quick gospel overview, right? Um, and so you have synoptic Gospels, um, bigger word for meaning kind of similar or same Gospels, and so those are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so in 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 storyline, as far as as it begins to how it ends, and the way that the narrative is 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 created or at least presented those are all going to kind of fall in the same same vein then you have john which is which is a little bit different uh, of the gospels and so if you had uh, those synoptics matthew mark luke uh, those are going to be kind of storytelling you're going to have bigger bigger storylines in, in all of the accounts and then you get to john and it's more of a snapshot uh, and that's going to be true across his entire gospel. Uh, and they all are doing something different, right? So, so the purpose behind the writing, who they're writing to, they, they all are a little bit different in that. Um, and so when we get to an account like the resurrection and we see that in Matthew's gospel, Matthew, 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 not Luke, Josh, <laughs> Matthew. In Matthew's gospel, there are two women at the tomb that morning. And or there's two women at the tomb and one angel that mm. asc- that that ascends uh, descends out of heaven. Um, that whenever we see that, and then you get to another gospel, and there's one woman. So so Matthew tells us that there's Mary Magdalene, the other Mary. There's another gospel that says that it was just Mary Magdalene. There's another gospel that says there's three different Marys who are at the tomb. There's a gospel Matthew tells us that there's one angel. Another gospel tells us that there's two angels. Um, and, and then even if you continue to read it, um, Matthew's gospel tells you that they're sent out and as they're going, that's where they see Jesus and they worship him. Another one is Mary Magdalene is so distraught over the grief and as she's walking, she thinks that he's the gardener. And, and so there's, there's a whole lot. And so the, the, there's a couple of ways. Number one is you read it at face value and you think, that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate that it's written that way because it takes the validity away from mm-hmm. what Preston just said. Mm-hmm. We hear all the time, it is, it is, it is holy, it is inerrant, it is infallible, it's God's word. And then you read something like that, and if, if there's no understanding, then, then it potentially could be a, a, a chink in that armor, right? Mm-hmm. So, so a, a bust. Um, but what we understand it to be, we have these four gospels, and they are looking from different angles of mm-hmm. this whole thing. And we begin to get a fuller and more mm-hmm. clear picture of what is actually happening and has happened, right? Uh, and the heart behind it all. And so when we understand that we get different views, four unique but very incredibly accurate views of what happened, and you begin to put those things together, mm-hmm. we get, again, the bigger narrative of the Bible to help us understand that Jesus rose bodily from the mm-hmm. grave and Mary Magdalene, in all the Gospels, is one of the central figures who gets mm-hmm. to see that first. Uh, and, and evidently, the other Marys who were there and, and how it unfolds is, is the church is then set alive because Christ comes, shows himself. There's this, this feeling of, of rebirth and regeneration. The Holy Spirit comes and sets them loose. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but when it comes, the way that I feel better about it or the way that I was even taught is when we look through the gospels, it's the lenses that give us a more clear and fuller picture right. mm-hmm. of what really actually good. happened. Yeah. Really good. What would you guys add to that? Yeah. I, I've heard it the disc- same thing. Um, but I've heard somebody describe it. If you're all standing in the same room, right. That's right. And you're something, something counts. transpires based on where you're seeing it from mm-hmm. or based on who you talk to, mm-hmm. you will describe what happened differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like you said, you get a full picture, 
all um, true and all, all accurate. All true and all accurate, but but there's different perspectives. And you also have the fact that you have a writer that's hearing a story from someone and writing it down. So, right. um, and so what we don't need to miss though is the the principle or the the exactly fact right. behind the scripture. Um, so many times we'll get caught up in all the little, well, he used this word instead of that word or, well, I mean, we would all describe things differently. And so what's the point of it? And Mm -hmm. like you said, each, each gospel author also is writing to very different groups of people. Um, That's right. Gentiles versus Jews. Mm -hmm. Um, they're writing to make different points. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, and so all of that is going, God is going to use their writing and those things to communicate those facts and those those truths to those people that they're writing to, and so so you're going to see little nuances in yeah. in the language and the and right. mm. the description of what happens. So, mm. it's excellent. It's good. So in that, you know, you've got the different gospels. You've also got, and I think Neil brought the question up. Neil's not with us today, but he sent a question in on a commentary that he had read that kind of indicated that the other Mary, mm-hmm. uh, which we talked about as being the, the mother of Jesus, one commentary at least said, well, maybe maybe not. Um, right. So, And I get confused with the Marys. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I read scripture, I'm like, <laughs> Mary must have been a like pretty com- a pretty common thing That's to right. call women, right? That's so, right. Uh, how do we know? I mean, is that something we know or is that something that we just think as we piece the different Gospels yeah, together? Yeah, that, so. that's a great question. And, and I think it is more speculatory than, than anything else. We, we do know that the, the most that were there that we know of is three. There's three Marys who were there. Right. Um, and, and we also know that, that it was one of them was Mary, mother of James. Um, and so there, there are two James, essentially. There's one of the, the James uh, of, of the disciples, and then there's, there's James who's going to end up being the apostle, right, who writes, who's going to be the half-brother of Jesus. Um, well, if he's the half-brother of Jesus, then that's his mama. Yeah. Uh, and so that's Jesus' mama who was there. But re- reg- again, regardless, it, it's, a, it's a fact about the account um, that really has no bearing on on the narrative that right. is mm-hmm. that is playing out, right. and even worse, whenever you butcher coming from Matthew to Luke and <laughs> you try to make a joke and it uh, absolutely bombs, mm-hmm. and you don't realize it till the third service. Yeah. So to to the point, um, you know, we we go to our commentaries, and and you know, as as always, uh, I'm not saying that that commentary is yep. right or wrong, right. Um, but we always remember that commentaries aren't scripture. That's right. Um, that's, right. That, that's scripture. Scripture. That's right. That's right. Good word. And and we can sometimes get lost in the side details and the lesser details. That's right. right. Uh, where this is a story that for Christians has the most important details. That's right. One of those being. Jesus rose. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. He he rose from the grave. And as we uh, were talking earlier, I think, Sean, you brought out the fact that, you know, it's important that we understand he rose in bodily form. This That's wasn't right. just uh, like a, a ghost, ghost or or spirit uh, only. Why, why is that so mm. important to our faith? Yeah, I think – so one is if we look through all the accounts, we see that every writer basically – looks at it and talks talks about either someone touching him mm-hmm. or grabbing hold of his feet. Uh, John even describes him cooking breakfast for them and eating with them. And so so you have all of the all the gospel writers that describe him as not just a spirit or a ghost, but but he rose and he had his body, right? Mm. And so if if he doesn't have his body, then he's not defeated death. That's right. 
Um, so he may have taken on the wrath of God. He may have taken on, you know, our sin and, and forget. But if he does not raise in bodily form, then he's not overcome sin, death, hell, and the grave. That's right. Um, and so, so Jesus does that showing that he has the, has the power to do yeah. that. Um, and I think the other important thing is that as he rose, then we can be confident that one day we will have that same glorified body. We're yeah. we're gonna we're not gonna exist as these spirits. We're gonna right. actually exist in bodily form. Yeah. Um. And so, so, so you can I think, cook me some breakfast when we get to heaven. That's Goodness right. Gracious. Mm, That'll be awesome. so good. I love breakfast. <laughs> so good. <laughs> no, that's important. And and I think even as you as you think about him conquering the grave and rising in in bodily form, when we get to mm. the part about him. Uh, being with us, right? As it gives mm. the command, but also the comfort of knowing that He has done all of these things helps us um, helps us to that's find right. comfort in that. And so, that's right. we'll talk some about that. Well, that. So that's one of the big things in here is the resurrection itself, which is where most Easter sermons are going to kind of camp out, mm-hmm. right? Um, and which is, I think is why I hear sometimes pastors talk about the difficulty in preaching. An Easter sermon is because it's like, well, people know that he rose. I've told him he. I mean, every Sunday we come back to this, right? Um, you obviously covered that, but a big part of what we landed on really was the what? What next? Right. right? Mm-hmm. He rose. Now what? Yeah, and he. Mm-hmm. But he rose, and then he he comes and he tells the Marys. Uh, he says, "Go and tell the disciples or tell the others," and then you kind of get into this this idea of okay. Was he saying, go tell the others, and then really the Great Commission, as we call it, was just for them, mm-hmm. or was this something more general that was really for everybody who would be a follower of Christ, in- yeah. including us? Uh, how do we interpret, like, when there's something that's given to a particular group in Scripture, how do we know, was that something just for that group, or is that something for for everyone mm-hmm. How do we how do we parse that out? Uh, man, a what a, what a fantastic question! If you've never thought about it, let me let me put uh, a a thought in your brain that might mess mess you up for a little bit, okay? Um, because I think essentially, if you if you just come to church long enough, you're going to hear a great commission sermon, and mm-hmm. it's going to be said that all Christians need to go out and make disciples, right? And and that's true, like like that's right. But when we read this text, um, a lot of times when we talk about Bible reading and interpretation, there's there's going to be kind of two camps that you would fall into when you hear something or read something. It's either going to be prescriptive, meaning um, it is something that you should do, like like mm-hmm. your your doctor prescribes a medicine for you, you should take that medicine. It's going to do you no good if you don't. So so is it prescriptive or is it just descriptive, meaning mm-hmm. it's just telling the story? Uh, and, and you know we'll, we'll come back to that that Great Commission account, but but we can go back to you know probably a hundred other scenarios in the Bible mm-hmm. that are just descriptive. They are not prescriptive. So mm-hmm. like one one of the big ones I think when you look at flaws and things that's pretty clear in the scripture, don't do this. But just in case anybody was wondering, it's just descriptive. So for example, King David, when the kings are supposed to be at war, and he's not, mm-hmm. and he goes and walks on his rooftop and he sees Bathsheba, that's not prescriptive. Sure, That's not for you to go when you should be minding your own business and you go get in somebody else's business. The Bible's not telling you to go and do that. Mm-hmm. It is describing to you what is mm-hmm. unfolding, okay? So that is right. a descriptive text, not a prescriptive text. Mm-hmm. How do we know that the Great Commission then, this moment that happens after the resurrection, that he's now showing himself to his disciples, and they get this clear message that is going to really encompass the rest of their life, how do we know that that is for all, that is prescriptive and not just descriptive? Well, 
I think there's a couple of things, um, but I think the clearest answer is when we read the New Testament, we see others embarking on that mandate on their life. Um, and and we see it honestly, I think in a healthier view than, than a lot of times we understand it because it's truly as they are going. Uh, as they are going, whether it is Paul on missionary journeys or it's as they are going in Acts, really in most of Acts is the persecution by Rome mm-hmm. and they are dispersed and they are going out wherever they're going mm-hmm. and they are, they're calling, they're, they're living out the gospel, mm-hmm. right? And so we see Paul, who, or Saul at the time, who's not a part of the 11, okay? So it's very clear. Matthew's right. very clear. And the 11 were there and they received the commission. Mm-hmm. Paul's not one. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul mm-hmm. would, would contend in his later letters that his apostleship counts not because he was in the upper room with the other ones, but because that he he saw the Lord on the road to Damascus, right? right? Um, but he wasn't there, and for him to receive that mandate and for him to live that out, but then for him to also call Timothy, for him to also have have other gospel partners in the faith mm-hmm. that are going to go out, we see them embark on the same call in their life, and then when we get to the teachings, like Pauline. Mm-hmm. Pauline, I love saying that word. It sounds sounds smart. <laughs> Pauline, when we see Paul's letters being distributed, mm-hmm. it is how do we then live as we are following Christ, as we fulfill the Great Commission, right. and that is all pretty much all of the New Testament writing that is showing us how do we then live this faith out mm-hmm. as we are making disciples, as we are going. Yeah. So yeah. I would say it is prescriptive mm-hmm. to all believers who are following Jesus because of the New Testament writing. Right. We uh-huh. see it in all of the other early Christians that they were following this. And Men so, and women. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. I think that is that is key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because there there is, we, we talked about it earlier, do we want to <laughs> whack the hornet's nest? But I think a little bit, there, there's some people who would argue that only men receive the commission. Um, and and I, I don't believe that that's because true. Because Mary and Mary that's were told exactly to right. go, tell, go the, tell the disciples mm-hmm. as well, if the, they weren't right, right. one yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. or a follower of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, you can get into semantics and get yourself in trouble, um, but if semantics are important, the, yeah. the words are there right, for a right. reason, but that's the reason one verse does not a theology make, and you have mm-hmm. the encompassing of all 66 books, right. and the Bible's never going to contradict itself, and that's so when right. we can read Matthew 28 in the Great Commission, and we can read Galatians and Ephesians mm-hmm. and Colossians and First Corinthians, like we see men and women who mm-hmm. are hearing and receiving yeah. and being sent out on engaged mission. in it. Yeah. Do you, do you also see? So I think another thing as you study, we've talked about culture a lot in here, right? In that day, things were written to men. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. right. Yep. yep. And so, so in that context as well. You may see something addressed um, and and go in that vein, and that doesn't mean that the women did not receive it as well. That's right. mm-hmm. um, I, I know you can even look at the Greek word. We see brothers, brothers. a lot. Mm-hmm. The ESV but, makes the footnote there. Right, mm-hmm. and it doesn't always mean men. That's it right. can also mean brothers like a really sisters. close gathering of people, mm-hmm. which would include brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. Right. And so, so you have some little nuances there as you study and dig a little deeper. Right. To see that this commission really was for for, for all, all. Mm-hmm. but that, that gets us into a whole yeah a whole another yeah. conversation yeah. for a whole another day of 
but what, nuance. But what we, <laughs> but what we do know, and I think, again, it's important for us always as we read Scripture to say, okay, here's something that maybe we can scratch our heads a little bit and we can dive a little deeper and try to figure out. There's some things that we know that we know that we know. That's right. right. We don't have to go to the commentary. We don't have to go ask you know, the expert or whatever. Um, part of that is that we are called to this. And, and Mark, you were um, you brought up a point earlier. I think it's, it's a great point for us to kind of maybe spend most of the rest of our time with. And that is this idea of Jesus inviting us into something. Mm-hmm. And I love the way, Josh, you worded it at the end. It's different than I've heard it worded in, in other sermons of either, you know, we can be this insufficient king kind of trying to rule our own kingdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or we can submit to the true King, and and place ourselves under His lordship. And Mark, you were talking earlier about how maybe um, we have a tendency of thinking that this this commission He's given us, or this invitation He's called us into, is something that we have to. We become we're, we're saved. There's a mm-hmm. moment of salvation, and then we have to grow up yeah. to some point of spiritual maturity before we engage that. Right. It, right. Yeah. And. And just to back up, I think um, how you got there mm-hmm. in an Easter service mm-hmm. um, was really refreshing. Yes, because um, I don't know if we're afraid to do that, but it's it it's almost like we've got to make Easter only about the resurrection and what it means for my salvation. Mm-hmm. And that's where you hear it year after year. And I think what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks is that. The call to salvation is an all-encompassing, bigger call to I'm dying to oneself. I'm dying to this king of me being my own king, Mm -hmm. and I'm submitting to a new king and a new kingdom. That's right. And we've talked about that over the last couple of weeks, so it's a natural progression for us to talk about what does that really mean when we submit to the new king. Mm -hmm. It means we become an ambassador. That's right. To that king, for that king, we become the proclaimer of the message of that kingdom. And so when we talk about um, being an evangelist or telling the good news or being a disciple maker, that's not a separate piece mm-hmm. of submitting to the king and to mm-hmm. living for the new kingdom. That's that's a part of what it means right. mm-hmm. to be in the new kingdom is that we become a proclaimer of the good news of that king. That's really good. And so I think that was really clear yesterday. It was bold, I think, for mm-hmm. you to to go all the way in there and say, this is what this Sunday's going to be about. Mm-hmm. And um, I, we still celebrated the, the resurrection, mm-hmm. but we did it in such a way that says, this is the news that you get to share. Yeah, right. Um, uh, we were, before, the, before this, we were talking about some of our mission partners and, and how they are so committed to helping new believers understand this calling to be a, a proclaimer of good news so that when when they have someone choose to follow Christ, there's not a delay. There's not a six weeks of discipleship. It's that day or the next day they walk with that family, with that individual, two family members. They go into their homes and they walk with that person as that new believer immediately shares the good news of what just happened. Mm-hmm. And so often we we want to separate it out, um, and I think we use as a discipleship pastor what what I want to just be clear. There's not a there's not a step of I'm going to be a disciple and then one day I'll be a disciple maker. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
um, we are disciples who immediately become disciple makers because we're entering into this new kingdom with our king and we're proclaiming the good news of the new kingdom. That's right. That's and that's point. immediate. I mean, that's, that's not right. a separate, yeah. separate yeah, step. Yeah, man. Do you, do you think, and, and I thought the other one was going to be whacking a hornet's nest. This may be even worse. Well. <laughs> do, do you think it's because of the way that we as, I would even say and label us as evangelicals, like like Southern Baptist world, that, that even when we share the gospel, even well-intentioned, we love our kids, we want them to come to faith in Jesus Christ, but we are so short-sighted mm-hmm. in, in what we are inviting them into, mm-hmm. many times all we're saying is, we want you not to go to hell. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's legitimate. I don't want sure. my kids to experience right. an eternity separated from God. But but the, the salvation the message, message, that's right. right. And, and it's a shorter and unfulfilling message right. mm-hmm. that maybe when you're seven, you're like, man, glad I dodged the devil bullet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you grow older, there mm-hmm. seems to be something missed. Like, all right, when I'm already saved, what else? I'm just waiting on God to come back. He'll talk right. to me. When I'm, no, no. This is every day. And, and we get older and the more resources yeah. we have and the education, we get to do this thing. Right. One, one of those is exciting for a lifetime. One of those mm-hmm. is not. Yeah. Right. Right. That's a good point. And, yeah. and you presented that well Sunday morning that we, right. especially for those who do um, experience salvation at a young age, mm-hmm. they may go through a long, long life of yeah. kind of like, but now what? What do now I do what? with this? Mm-hmm. I'm saved uh, and I feel confident in my salvation, but because we haven't taught them the rest of it, right. it is, uh, I can't imagine, you've got the greatest mission yeah. ever given yeah. by the greatest person to give it. And yet many Christians go through most of their life, much of their life without experiencing Never. that, you know, the way that they should. It reminds me of the rich young ruler um, in the sense mm-hmm. of he totally missed what he was being invited into. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus was giving him an opportunity to enter some into something of following him, like the journey that awaited that dude, and he rejected it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot more than... A forgiveness of sins so that you're rescued from hell. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But the invitation that Jesus gave him was mm-hmm. so huge and could have been so incredible right. for him. I mean, yeah. yeah. And he rejected it. And even if you dig into that, I mean, he he had an understanding of who Jesus was. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he kept the law. And, yeah. And yeah. so, but he missed, missed the, the bigger picture. I know. It's such a beautiful, you know, Josh, after your first sermon... Uh, which included Jeremiah and the and the word he was called to go to the nations and right. and share about the wrath of God, and I, I think I mentioned to you right after that I said, man, as I thought about that, I thought how great that we get a different message, and you yes. said wait till Easter, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, but I, I I hold those two things in tension. I look at Jeremiah's message, and it was a hard message. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a true message, but it was the flip side. It was go. Really mm-hmm. everywhere, go to all the nations, right. right? All the people, starting with the Jews, and go go to everybody, right? And give them this awful message of God's wrath coming. And we have been given the opportunity and the command to do the exact same, but with the exact opposite, opposite message, message. Right. and right. go mm-hmm. and to share it. And and what a privilege! Yeah. And yet, so often we uh, we don't take it. We don't That's take right. it up. That's great. Yeah. So as we as we wrap up, um, last message of this series as we've wrapped up Easter. Uh, on the cup and on wrath. And so just for clarity, uh, as we talk about Jesus on the cross, and, and again, this may get a little bit more into last last week's, but uh, the, the fact that it is finished, mm-hmm. the fact that wrath, God's wrath had been satisfied, 
What if you had to put that in a nutshell for us to close out this series? What would you say about that? Mm. In what way, I guess, has his mm. wrath been satisfied? It's a great question. I, I would say completely and fully his wrath is satisfied in the person and the work of Christ. So so Christ, the Son, and the work of of the cross, right? So so those two things, propitiation, expiation, go back to the to Roman days. Um but it's, it's completely satisfied, and all of those who have submitted their life to Christ are now covered by the atonement of Christ, meaning that there is no more wrath for them. That's why Romans 8.1 addressed to the believers, there is therefore now no condemnation for those mm-hmm. who are in Christ. There's no, there's no wrath mm-hmm. for, for them. But the wrath remains for all of those who are outside of that atoning blood of Christ. And and there would be some, I think, uh, not many, but but there are some who who – Actually, I would want to believe this. It's just not what the Bible teaches. But they, they would say that, that no, Jesus drank the cup for all, and so mm-hmm. everybody is saved. And so there's no more wrath of God. And, mm-hmm. and that's more of a universalist mentality. Right. And, right. and truly, like my, I wish that were the case, but the Bible doesn't teach that to be truth, right? And I know people would say, well, Josh, this verse, right, one verse doesn't make a theology. It's the, it's the whole encompassing nature of Scripture. Because, again, we see in Revelation when Christ comes again. Mm. That he is coming and he comes with the sword, which is the wrath of God that he will wield against the nations. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus says in the Great Commission and he starts, all authority and power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, it wasn't just the authority to say, hey, go and, and do this mission. Mm-hmm. It's all authority. That's right. Like the wrath that belongs to God. That's right. Yeah. It's now inside of him and he is the righteous judge. He is mm-hmm. the just and the justifier, justifier. right? Mm-hmm. And so when he comes back, that's why now is the time for evangelism. Now is mm-hmm. the time to go and make disciples of all nations. Mm-hmm. There's coming a day, and and Lord, let it come quickly, that that day is going to draw to a close. And when mm-hmm. he comes back, Revelation teaches that there's a sword coming out of his mouth, metaphorically or not, he is going to wield God's judgment on all the nations who have not repented of sin and put mm-hmm. trust in him. Mm-hmm. The wrath is still it still remains, yeah. Yeah. but for all those who are in Christ, they have been atoned for. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you think too? There's like a there's a sense that if you are somebody who's a Christian, who's been in church for a long time, and even if you cling to God's sovereignty uh, dearly, that there can be a temptation to say God's going to do what He wants to do anyway, and yet we're given this command yeah. to go to go and make disciples mm, right. until yes. Christ yeah. returns, yes. and we believe that He will, mm-hmm. and so. Getting out of the pragmatism of yeah. this idea that let's just bring people to church, let the let the preacher get it done. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, we are to go that's out right. and we right. are that's to right. make disciples. That's a great. We word. are certainly. Um, uh, I'm I'm pretty reformed in theology, but I can't. I, I'm not fully reformed, as my reformed friends tell me. You're not all the way there. Like, well, I, I'm right where I want to be, um, but we can't be the frozen chosen. <laughs> that's right. Right. So yeah. so we can't be to the point of well, God's just gonna gonna sort. Man, we yeah. we are ambassadors of hope. There's a yeah. There's a picture that plays in my mind. I have no clue where it came from. It's certainly not original to me. I saw it somewhere or it sparked in my mind. But like there's a sense of we have we have keys to the kingdom, mm. right? And it and it's keys that are going to it's probably Tony Evans as, as keys to the kingdom <laughs> rings in my mind. But but we have the ability to now unlock people who are shackled in an old kingdom in darkness, mm. but they think that's everyday life. And so when we go and we proclaim the good news and preach the preach Christ and the new kingdom that's coming, we have the keys that open up those locks and set them free. Why wouldn't we run as far and fast as we can to the whole world to unlock as many right. people as we can right. Right. for the glory of God? Right. And so that that's the mission that stands before us. Yeah. That's enthralling. 
Like that's something we can get, but that's the hill we want to take charge right. and say, we're going there and we're going to give it all to do it. Yeah. You know, if it's just, hey, before you're seven years old, you need to pray this prayer and get saved. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's that's not mm-hmm. that's not life giving, right. man. That 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 is that is a part of the gospel, but that is only the start of the gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we go and we run as far and fast as we can with all that we have. Amen. So Amen. Good. And and you know, I think as you as you kind of wrapped up the sermon. A big part of it is us understanding he's given us a command, mm-hmm. but he's given us a comfort and that whatever he's commanding us to go do, he's, he's going to be with us. To the very this end. same one yeah. who conquered sin and death and the grave is going to be with us every step of the way as we yeah. do that. And so I, I resonate, I think, with uh, with the Marys who who <laughs> left afraid and filled with joy. You know, yeah. the, the calling seems immense and sometimes yep. can be overwhelming and can create some fear, and yet we do it with joy of knowing that he is... He is with us every step of the way. That's so great. Great, uh, great Easter season, mm-hmm. great Easter uh, Sunday for us. Um, next week, we are where? We're back in Romans. <laughs> Imagine that. We're back in Romans. Chapter right. 13, I had this guy come in and preach for me, the really hard part, That's Pastor right. Sean. That's right. <laughs> well, I was on he a sweet great. vacation. Oh, right. That was the last thing we he hit in Romans. Great. So I get that. to come and get the fun part of Romans 13. Yeah. So it'll awesome. be great. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Well, as always, good to be with you guys and uh, enjoy forward to doing this again. Mm-hmm. Love you guys. This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at my broadmoor. Thanks for listening.